All right, you guys making room for people? Yes, yes. Hi. I'm good. How are you? Scoot in, scoot in, make room. There's people in the back. Okay. I, as people are just still getting in their seats, I have a question for you uh, before we move on tonight. How many of you were here, I think it was a couple months ago um, now, where we did baptisms and then we had an open baptism and it was just an amazing night. How many, were any of you here for that night? Yes, yes. It was, um, what was that? Oh, it was our summer kickoff, right? Okay. Okay. Anyway, if you weren't here, we had a, we had a, a few people that had um, said, I want to get baptized, and baptism is essentially, I don't know what your belief system is or what you grew up with. Likely, you have some kind of idea in your mind of what baptism is. Maybe it's infant baptism or, or something like that. Um, here, we believe that baptism is uh, mandated to us and told and we're told to do this in scripture by Jesus because it's making our, our faith public. Much the same that, you know, I wear a wedding ring. I wear a wedding ring. You know, if I take it off, it doesn't mean I'm not married, right? But it sure makes a statement, okay? I give my husband, if I take it, I'm going to take it off. I'm not going to wear it. He's going to have some questions for me about that. Um, baptism is much the same. It's like, it's this ceiling and this symbol that Jesus is who we're following for the rest of our lives. So this week I'm working on like planning and looking out at the coming weeks of C12. And I just felt uh, a a prompt in my office. um, So I was working on that. So I want to ask you a question um, because I'm just interested. How many of you Um, Maybe it was that weekend or maybe in weekends since then or maybe just, you know, on your own somewhere or, you know, maybe in in one of our weekend services, you have sort of toyed with the idea or flirted with the idea of getting baptized. How many of you, now you're not committing to anything, so don't be nervous about that. I just wonder if you haven't been, but you've just sort of like molded over in your mind. Let me see your hands. If you just kind of thought, yeah, it's a bunch of you. You thought, eh, you know, I don't know what I think, but there's a whole bunch of you. Okay, um, that helps me because I, I, think, uh, I think what we're going to do um, in the next week or two is another baptism and sort of a baptism slash like worship night celebration. Okay, would you like that? That's fun. Yes. So here's what I would like for you to do. <laughs> Everybody's like, we do that every week. I know, I know, it's awesome. Um, If you are someone that has considered getting baptized, you just haven't, maybe you have questions or maybe you just haven't taken the leap, here are a couple of ways that we would love for you um, to let us know that you're interested in that. Um, First one is this. You can just direct message us on Instagram. You just shoot us a message that says, hey, I'm interested in baptism, and we'll respond to that, okay? Second thing you could do, um, is just go to the hub. Just go to the hub, say, hey, I'm interested in baptism. We'll get your name, um, your contact information, and we'll be in contact with you. Third thing you can do is you can always email myself. You can email Sierra. You can email Alex. Um, if you go to 12 Stones website, our emails are right on the website. You just click it, and it goes comes straight to us. Um, 
<coughs> if you're interested at all in doing that. So if you've been wondering about it, it's time. And even some of you who have maybe not wondered about it and you come that night, you're going to get baptized too. Because it's just what God's going to do, okay? We know this. Those of you who are here the last one, you understand what I mean by this, correct? So, all right, let's jump into the message for tonight. Long story short, I have a fear of heights. Anyone else? Right? Okay, how many of you have just some abnormal fear, like some fear of something weird? Elevators, spiders, like girls, right? Right? You just have a fear. All right, who's just got a really weird fear? I'm almost afraid to ask, but I'm going to anyway. What's your really weird fear? Yes. Yes. It's a safe place. It's a safe place, my friends, isn't it? Is it Justin? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't think of the word. Just tell me what it is. Wow. Weird shapes. Why is there so much discussion? So much discussion about this fear. But there is a name for it, I'm sure. There's a name for all of these things. Okay. Oh, no, don't pull up pictures. No Googling. No Googling. Okay. Fear of holes. Do not Google that. Um, okay. He's, he's pointing you. What is your weird fear? Two of them. What? Yes, of course. Who wants somebody to play with their gum? No. What? Rings? Is that really for the rings or is it other reasons? <laughs> is that the reasons? Do we, should we talk about commitment, Chandler? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm teasing. Okay. Okay. I have... <laughs> I have a very, I have a very real fear of heights. I just, I just know, like, have you ever seen pictures of people on Instagram and they'll be standing like on the edge of a cliff that they've like in the Grand Canyon? I don't understand it. I don't know why a person would do that. Well, a few years ago, some very good friends of mine, we've been friends actually since college, and we went on sort of a beach vacation together, my girlfriends and I, and they, one of them said, we should go parasailing. And I'm thinking it's not really going to happen. So I'm just going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a great idea. I'm in, right? Because so often you say we should do things and the plans never come to pass. And so I just thought it's never going to happen. But she kept pressing on it and did all the research on it, how much it's going to cost. And she's telling everyone. And I'm trying to say, you know, it seems kind of spendy. Maybe we shouldn't. But nonetheless, everybody's getting really excited about it. And so uh, later that week, I find myself out on a boat in the middle of the ocean where the boat driver of, of the company is playing Thriller by Michael Jackson so loud. It's like reverberating, you know, throughout uh, the water. And we're standing there, and I realize this is happening. Like, if I don't do this, I am just the worst. I'm a total pansy, and I know. Because you know when you, that if you could push through something, you know you're going to like telling the story on the other side, right? 
She's like, I got to do it. I got to do it. So uh, my friend and I, we're going to do this together. There's four of us, but one of them, we're going to do this together. And they put us in. Has anybody ever parasailed? Okay. So you know it's not safe. They basically set you in like a swing, like a backyard swing with a couple little ropes around, like to hold on to. And then they tie this like loose little rope around your waist that's not really attached to anything else. And then they send you up. And I'm thinking, this is insane. And uh, the driver, we had paid for the 600-foot drive to go up 600 feet. I mean, this guy's playing thriller. You can imagine who we're dealing with. And all of a sudden, I, I know we, are, we have to be higher than 600 feet. I can't even see people. Like, I can't hear nothing. And I later found out he put us up to 1,200 feet. Um, But if you've ever been parasailing, here's what you learned when you did it. When you get up there, it is silent. I mean silent. You don't hear the boat. You don't hear the waves. My friend and I could whisper to each other and hear each other. You are so above the noise that nothing even travels up in your, it is, and you, and in that moment, I, I forgot my fear. And I just sort of sat there in this swing with my friend, amazed at the quiet and looking around, amazed at the beauty, amazed at what God had made and that I can be up in such a manner inside of creation. It was so And then, of course, as they bring us back in, the closer you get to the fray, the louder it gets. You know, like thrillers come and you start to hear it all. My friends are, you know, down there yelling and, you know, you hear the people on the beach. You just start to hear it and you hear the boat. One of the most asked questions I've gotten in my years of ministry is how do you hear the voice of God? When I've said things to people like, I think God has said, or other people would say, I feel like God is telling me, or God is impressed upon me. And people would often say, okay, but how do you do that? How do you know that? Have you ever wondered if the voice you're hearing is the Holy Spirit's or yours? Is that really me? Or is that my emotion? Is that just the voice in my head? Is that because this many people have told me this? How do I hear God's voice? So here's what I want you to hear me say before we really jump in. It's this, that God's voice exists outside of our comfort zone, inside of trust, but above all, God's voice exists above the noise. Above the noise, outside of the fray, beyond the chaos. Two foundational truths. And I would tell you this, we're going to unpack how to hear God's voice. It's going to take longer than today. Um, We're probably going to do this over a couple of weeks. I'm going to start sort of above the noise with some very umbrella truths, some very foundational truths. Then over the next weeks, we're going to dig deep. By the time we get to the end of knowing how to hear God's voice, we're going to get down to literally, how do you hear God's voice? 
What does it sound like? How does he speak uniquely to you? Because how God speaks to you is differently than how he speaks to me. Like my hope in my prayer is that when we get done with these couple of weeks, that at the end of them, you will be able to enter the presence of God and be able to discern God's voice from others. So two foundational truths today to start out with are this. First, to hear God's voice, you're gonna go to the mountain and you're gonna get in the gate. Go to the mountain Get in the gate. Now, I'll repeat those later. So if you don't get them down, some of you are taking notes. I'll repeat them later. And to discuss this, we are going to go to, of course, a story in the Bible because we're in long story short. So we're going to pick, I picked a story in the Bible that I love that speaks directly to this. It's about a man named Elijah. Elijah has some pretty phenomenal stories about him, by the way. And the one we're going to do today probably isn't the most often told, but it comes right after the most often told story about Elijah. So let me give you some context before I take you to today's story. Some context is this. Elijah has just been on the top of a mountain, the mountain named Mount Carmel. And he's been really in an effectively uh, a showdown between God and the devil, for real. And this whole story involved Elijah's calling down fire from heaven. And you've got all these pagan um, other God worshipers and they're cutting themselves and there's blood everywhere. And, and, you know, Elijah's praying to this God and all these people are praying to all of the gods of the evil world. And it's this showdown, this supernatural battle that takes place. And of course, who wins? God wins. Who wins this battle? God wins. God always wins the battle, y'all. Always. If ever in doubt, the answer is Jesus. Just telling you, in church, it's always Jesus. Now, um, he wins this epic battle on the top of Mount Carmel. I mean, Elijah leaves that scene and he is feeling good. He's feeling so good because his God has just proved to all of these other people that he's the real God. Well, while God won, it meant that there had to be a loser. And the loser was named King Ahab because King Ahab had sold his prophets and his priests to go out and participate in this battle. And Ahab was not happy that he had lost. He's a king and kings had large egos in that day and he was not excited about this. And so he went home and he told his evil wife, Queen Jezebel. Ever heard the word? It's never associated with anybody good. Queen Jezebel. He says to her, you know, about this man named Elijah, and they were humiliated in front of all of their priests and prophets, um, very angry. And so Queen Jezebel makes a suggestion, Ahab likes it, and it's this, well, we should kill Elijah. Let's just kill him. Let's just be rid of him. So Elijah finds himself having to flee for his life. So understand, he's just had this massive victory, and then the very next moment, he's having to run for his life. We're going to pick up in 1 Kings, which is in the Old Testament. 1 Kings, we're going to be in chapter 19. And I'm going to read a little, talk a little, read a little, talk a little. We're going to work our way through this passage. We're going to start in verse 4. So Elijah, fleeing for his life, it says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. How long did he travel? And he's walking, people, right? Like, this not, he's not riding a horse. There's no donkey. Like, he's walking. he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. That he might die. I have had enough. 
Lord. Have you ever said that to the Lord? I have had it. Lord, I'm done. I've had it. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Here's what he's saying to the Lord. I did what you asked. I went out there and I prayed and I got in front of, you know, King Ahab and all those priests and prophets scared for my life, but I did it because you asked me to. I obeyed you. And now my life is in danger. I have had enough. See, I've had those moments in my life when I thought, Lord, I did what you told me to do. It was not supposed to turn out that way. If I did what you asked me to do, then you were supposed to bless it and breathe on it. It was supposed to be all these amazing things. It was not supposed to be hard. When I do what you asked me to do, it's supposed to be easy. But Elijah's having this honest conversation with the Lord And after he says this to the Lord, an angel shows up. Well, okay. So an angel appears to him, and an angel, let me just summarize, says to him, "Uh, Elijah, uh, the Lord would like you to get up and go to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is known to be the mountain of God. So he would like you to get up out from under the broom tree Go to Mount Sinai. Verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. Are you freaking kidding me? 40 days and 40 nights. He traveled to Mount Sinai. He's already mad. He's already frustrated. He's already tired. We read he's weary from the travel of the day. And the angel says, get up and go. And Elijah still obeys. He gets up and goes. And the food gave him enough strength 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. He got up and went to the mountain of God. So let me repeat for you the first truth of tonight, which is this. To hear God's voice, you got to go to the mountain. Go to the mountain. Men and women, sometimes when the voices around you, family, friends, old memories, your own head, when the voices around you are deafening, when you cannot sort out what is true, when you are feeling attacked, you have just got to get up and go to the mountain. See, Elijah was wallowing in what other people were saying. His life was being threatened. They were calling him names, and he's wallowing in that. And pretty soon his own voice was the loudest, and it became the deafening noise. And for God to be heard, Elijah had to get above it, get above the noise. Now, going up a mountain can be a tough climb, right? It's not an easy thing. You're not taking a short jaw on flat road. You're climbing a mountain, and you have to do it even when you don't feel like it and when it's difficult. Now, I know you're wondering, practically, Heather, what does that mean? Are you saying we really have to go find a mountain? Have to go find a mountain and go sleep in a cave? We're going to get to that. Just hang tight. Elijah had just seen God bring down fire from heaven simply because Elijah asked him to. 
God had met Elijah on Mount Carmel. I think there was something in Elijah that said, if a God met me there, what have I got to lose but to see that he'll meet me here? So I'm going to climb that mountain. I want to give a verse to you from Jeremiah 29, 13 that you can take as a promise. And I'm going to read it to you from a version called The Message. And this is Jesus talking. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed, God's decree. I love this verse. Notice that it says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me and you won't be disappointed. It doesn't say when you come looking for me, you'll find answers, does it? When you come looking for me, you'll find the thing that you thought that I was going to give to you. Or when you come looking for me, you're going to come into all the blessings that you've been praying to receive. Or when you come looking for me, I'm going to take revenge on those people that are after you. It doesn't say anything like that. It says, when you come looking for me, if you're really serious, you will not be disappointed. I don't know how many times I've gone to the Lord for something thinking it's what I wanted or what I needed and God decided to deliver something else and what he delivered ended up being far better than anything I thought I needed or wanted to begin with. And if I had been given what I thought I needed or wanted to begin with, I wouldn't be here today. My life would look radically different if I had been given what I thought I wanted. I was engaged twice before Jeff. I know, I know. Maybe I had ring issues. I don't know. I don't know. Now, one of those, he broke up with me. And I was in college. I was, I mean, devastated. Like, just utterly obliterated. Everything I thought was going to be my future, everything that had been planned for, everything that I had hoped for. And he was a great guy. It wasn't like I got broken up with and he was just an idiot. And thank you, Jesus, I'm not with him. He was a really great guy. And I was just so deeply wounded. And I remember just praying to God that he would fix this that he would put it back together or that, that somehow we could reconcile this. Or, um, and even my family, because my family loved him, they were praying the same thing. My grandmother came to me and told me that God told her, I mean, what, what was she thinking? Anyway, she came to me to tell me that God told her that we were going to get back together. What is wrong with her? But she did. And we didn't, clearly. I am so grateful that God did not do that, did not reconcile that, did not bring that back together. Because I'm married to the man that is more than anything I could have ever imagined, that I would have missed. I would have totally missed. And when I was with that first guy, I, wasn't, I didn't even really know who I was. And I, I was making decisions for my career and my future that were based a lot on what he was deciding to do. And, and I wasn't even really coming into my own sense of identity. And I would have just kept going down that path. And I would have just kept doing what he wanted to do because he was a strong person. And I would have never discovered God's call on my life. 
God doesn't promise that when we come looking for him, we will find what we want. He does say that we won't be disappointed. That we won't be disappointed. So the God who was with Elijah on Mount Carmel is now with him on Mount Sinai, okay? And I love, this is what God says. I, I think that God is actually very sarcastic. I don't know what you believe about him, but I like to believe he's very sarcastic. So Elijah comes to him, it's been 40 days, 40 nights, he sleeps in the cave, he's tired, he's hungry, he's mad, and here's what God says to him. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? If I'm Elijah, I'm like, what? What am I doing here? You, you sent the angel. Then I'd probably go, was I crazy? Like what? Like you sent the angel and I got up and I walked and here I am. And what do you mean? What am I doing here? I think God wants Elijah to name his motive. I think what God is really asking is, Elijah, are you here looking for me or are you here looking for an answer? Are you here looking for the Lord or are you here looking for some kind of magic eight ball game? What are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why have you come here? Verse 10, Elijah replied, now, I'm going to add my own tone of voice to how I think Elijah replied. <clears throat> I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I did everything you asked, and now your people, your people, the Israelites, you know, the people of God, your people that you keep trying to save, and they keep jacking everything up, those people, they want to kill me, right? Verse 11, uh, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. Elijah, quit yelling from the cave. <laughs> Why don't you come out? Why don't you come out of the cave? Everybody's brave when they can't be seen. Why don't you come out and be seen and let's have a conversation? Again, did you come to find answers or did you come looking for me? And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. He's in the cave. Oh, he's yelling at God, right? 
How easy is it to yell at God when you're in the dark? Man, it's easy. You don't even know. You don't even know what I'm dealing with in here. I'm in here because of you anyway. God says, come, come out. And he sends a wind. Elijah doesn't move. He sends an earthquake. Elijah never moves. We don't even read that he's nervous. We don't even read that he's scared. Remember, he's already said he wants to die. Maybe he's thinking, well, this is it. But then he hears a gentle whisper. I wonder what God said. I don't know if you do this. When I read scripture, I often read things and I just wonder. What was the whisper? We know it was a whisper. What was it? We know that Elijah covered his face with his cloak and came out, right? Whatever was said, Elijah knew it was God's voice, didn't he? Man, he heard that voice that he came right out. He knew it. It was when the whisper came that Elijah went and stood at the entrance of the cave because above the noise on the mountain, he could hear the real voice of God. I wonder if you should stop asking for a neon sign. I wonder if you should stop asking for God to put, write something up on the wall or if you should stop living a life of superstition that if this happens, then it means this or if this happens, then it means this. I wonder if you should start listening for just a gentle whisper. See, God's not gonna compete with the loudness. God's voice is not louder, it's just different. And that's the biggest mistake people make about God's voice. They think God's voice is louder and he'll scream louder to get your attention. God's voice is not louder, it is just different. And you start learning the different when you go to the mountain. So now that Elijah is listening, now that he's out there, what happens? Well, God repeats himself. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He asked him again. You're smart, so you're going with me on this. You already know. Well, he's asked him the first time, Elijah, why are you here? Are you here to be with me? Or are you here for, a, for direction? And Elijah finally comes out to listen, comes out of the dark, and God asks him again, once again, giving him an opportunity to decide why he's really there. So now would be the time for Elijah to actually give a humble and right answer. But instead, he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He repeats himself. Then the Lord told him, go back the way you came. Mercy. <laughs> go back the way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus when you arrived there. Anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Ebal-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Now, I'm, I'm rushing through that because the details of that are not important. Here's what is important. 
Here's what God says to Elisha. He takes him up the mountain. He's tired. He doesn't want to come out and talk. And finally, Elisha comes out and talks. He's like, what? And God says, what do you mean, what? And repeats himself. And then Elisha repeats himself. And God finally gives Elisha what he's been asking for. He gives him directions. And why does he finally give him the answer and the directions that Elisha had so wanted way back by the broom tree? Because Elisha had finally decided to meet with God. And all of those details, again, are not important because here's, let me summarize for you what God was saying to Elisha. You can go back, Elisha. I know you're afraid. And I know what they said they're gonna do to you. I know. But you can go back and I got you. I'm with you. And then he gives him this, these list of instructions which should tell Elijah that when you, when you get back, you're going to do all these things. So clearly you're going to live. You can go back the way you came, Elisha, because you can go back the way that you came. The same God that was with you on Mount Carmel that is now with you on Mount Sinai is going to go back with you into the place of Damascus. And, it is, and I am still with you. Let me tell you how this works, practically. What does going to the mountain look like? I would say, now I'm going to tell you what it looks like for me, but this is me. So I don't want you to hear what I'm about to say and say, okay, that's exactly what I have to do. I'm going to toss these things to you just to give you a picture of what going to the mountain can look like practically in your life. Um, about once or twice a year, and I learned this a few years ago. This became an important rhythm in my life. About once or twice a year, I try and get away for a couple of days by myself. It's amazing. Nobody needs anything from me. Nobody's asking questions. I don't have to make anyone a meal. I don't have to clean anything. I don't have to do anything. I could sleep as late as I want. I could stay up as late as I want. Like, I can literally go, hmm, what would I like to do? And then I do it. It's amazing. So a couple of times a year I do that, but I intentionally do that. And I call it kind of a, a solitude prayer retreat. And I go up and I spend hours in the day just being with God. I will read my journal. I might just lay on a couch for an hour or two listening to worship music. I might go for a walk. I might just do a number of things to simply be still out of the fray, above the noise, in a place that is, is a calming effect for me, whatever that is for you. And I'm just with him. I just be with him. I did this a few years ago, and I was... Um, at this lake house, I used to live in Wisconsin, up north. Wow, really? Alex, All right. Alex, Alex. Oh, Alex, right. I know you are from there. Although I see a Milwaukee shirt. Is that, are you from there? Okay. <laughs> Thought we'd be friends. Now, I'm kidding. Um, but I lived in Wisconsin, and I went, I had some friends that said I could use their lake house for a couple days, so I went up there by myself for a couple days. 
And I went up there to be with the Lord, and I was doing all the things I would normally do. And I'm telling you, I feel like this is, this is not working. I feel as distant from the Lord three days later as I did when I got there. This is dumb. Like, Lord, I put this time on my calendar for you, and I've come to you for some things, and you're not giving me any direction. You're not giving me any answers. Like, I don't understand. I've done, I'm supposed to, this is supposed to be an intimate time between you and me, and this is not working. And then finally, like the night before I was supposed to go back home, um, there's this big open window that looked out on the lake in this cabin. And um, the sunset was beautiful. I don't know if any of you get into that, but I mean, it's beautiful. You know where the sky is just 5,000 colors and it's reflecting off of the water and the lake. And I stood up, and I'm looking out at this, and um, I promise you this is what happened. And it marked me. I heard this still, small voice in my head. I said, Heather, do you see this? And I don't normally talk to myself in the third person, so I knew it wasn't me. And I'm acknowledging as I see it. And then God said something to me that changed me. He says, I did this for you. I love you. I love you. And as I was saying that, I started weeping, tears coming down my face because I knew it was God. And when you know God just spoke, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I mean, nothing. The reason it marked me is because I didn't go to that cabin to hear he loved me. I went to that cabin. I wanted some answers. I wanted some direction. And all he had to say to me was, I love you. And do you know what? I was not disappointed. I left that place and I walked back into my life with a renewed sense of confidence with the renewed sense of, okay, so what I don't know what I'm doing in these things that I feel directionless in, I'm just going to keep moving. And if it blows up, it blows up. Hey, you know what? God's with me. He loves me. And I'm just going to trust that he's going to show me the way along the way. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, no matter what I achieve or I don't achieve or I do or, or what success I find or not find, at the end of the day, he loves me. And that's enough. And I heard him say it. I heard him say it. And I would never have heard him say it if I didn't, wasn't willing to go to the mountain. I do that a couple times a year and also once a week on Thursdays, actually. During the day on Thursdays, like you will not find me in this building. You will not find me in my office. I probably won't respond to your texts unless I really like you. Like you're my family. Like those coming up, that's just like a real big thing. Like I just, I get alone and I go sit with the Lord. I don't know what going to the mountain looks like for you. It might mean that you carve two hours out of your week somewhere. It's a significant period of time. Because let me tell you something, men and women. Sometimes five minutes just ain't going to cut it. It's just not. 
and there's no magic about it. There's no like secret recipe. Well, if I read my Bible for 30 minutes and then I journal for 10 and then I pray for 20, which is really five because my mind wanders for the rest of the 15. Like there's no, and there's no ingredients for it. And you know what? Let your mind wander. Like God is so okay with all of that. It's like a relationship. Sometimes he just wants you to be still, be, sit there, take however long you need to get stuff out of your head. Sometimes I'll keep a piece of paper beside me and I think of stuff I have to do. I write it down, get it out of my head, and then I can focus. Sometimes I'm just listening to music. Sometimes it's all, it's all manner of things. I, I know I have friends that just go hiking in the woods for an hour. I have friends that do all kinds of things to just go to the mountain to get away outside of the noise. I'm telling you, if you don't find something like that in your life, some kind of discipline and routine of that, that is more than just the daily few minutes, I would suggest to you, um, you're gonna miss out on some very distinct things God wants to say to you. So go to the mountain. Second thing is get in the gate, get in the gate. If go to the mountain is every once in a while, get in the gate is every day, every day. Every day you get in the gate. John 10, 1 through 5 says this in the message. Jesus says, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. He's a sheep wrestler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. The sheep what? Recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. See, every single day a shepherd leads his sheep into the gate, in the gate and out of the gate, in the gate and out of the gate. Every day it's a ritual all the time, and the sheep learn to recognize the voice of the shepherd. You know, when I call Jeff on the phone, I don't have to say, Hey, babe, this is your wife. Or this is Heather. Um, I don't have to do that. I just, in fact, I can have all kinds of tones in my voice. I can be excited. I can be sad. All I have to do is say the word, hey. And he knows exactly who it is. He knows exactly how I'm feeling. He, he'll, he could say, oh, what's going on? Or are you okay? Or hey, you know, I sound excited. He just knows because we're so familiar with each other because every day, every day we're in each other's lives. Every day, you have to be with God in some form or fashion. Every day. And again, there's no prescription for it. There's no ingredient for it. It can simply mean that before you go into work, you're sitting in your car for 10 minutes and you're just listening to worship music and you're just being with him. It can mean that. It can mean that you're just reading one psalm a day. It can mean um, that uh, you know, you're having a conversation with a trusted friend on the phone about something that you're learning with the Lord. It can mean so many different things. But it's every day, it's get in the gate, and then sometimes it's go to the mountain. If you could learn to hear God's voice, it would solve the rest of your life. Like this is the thing. If you never ever absorbed anything else ever in the life of the church, ever anywhere. If you, could, if you could learn to hear God's voice, there's, there's just nothing like it. Hearing God's voice is not something we do. Um, hearing God's voice is someone that we are. 
If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you are a sheep in the fold of a good shepherd. It's who you are. And who you are was designed to hear his voice. You were created with something inside of you that can hear God's voice. You can. You can know what he's saying to you. People say, just tell me how you hear him. And I say, it's not about how, it's about who. Who he is. I hear him because I'm his child. And I need him and I depend on him and I run to him and I'm directed by him and he gave me life and I give him mine and that's why I can hear him. I don't really know. I can't really answer the question for you. I don't know. I, mean, I, know, some, I know a lot of you, but not all of you. If, you would cons- if you're a sheep in his fold, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, I, I don't know. Um, if you're not, it means you're outside of the gate. And if you're outside of the gate, um, that means you've left yourself open to the enemy and to be eaten alive by wolves. And he's inviting you in the gate to hear his voice, to let him love you and direct you and shape you. His voice isn't louder, it's just different. Throughout all of history, God has spoken all of history. In the beginning, God spoke creation into existence, didn't he? Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God told, spoke to Noah about the coming flood and how to protect his family and preserve the future generations. Abraham heard the words of God and trusted him. God spoke to Moses through a burning bush and on Mount Sinai when he delivered the Ten Commandments. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. God spoke to a boy, Samuel, a little boy at night. God spoke to the shepherd boy, David, in the field. God spoke to Satan in the desert. And in Isaiah When God said, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, send me. God spoke to Mary through an angel and to Joseph in a dream. The father spoke to the son after his baptism. Jesus is actually referred to as the word made flesh. He's actually called the word. Jesus spoke to his disciples here on earth and by the power of his Holy Spirit after his ascension. He spoke to Saul on the road to Damascus and Saul became Paul who raised up leader after leader, man after woman to lead the church of yesterday so that we could be the church of today. The leaders of the early church knew God's whisper. You can read about it in the New Testament repeatedly all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It says the Holy Spirit spoke to them and so then they did this. The Holy Spirit spoke. God spoke. The Lord spoke through prophets, through Jesus, and by his Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you through me in this moment. And God speaks to you through each other in moments. 
moments that you're talking about your faith and cracking open the Bible and seeing what God actually has to say. In fact, if you wonder why God is not speaking to you, perhaps it's because you've never written or never read what he's already written to you. Perhaps he has said, I would speak to you if you would have listened to what I've already said. You want something new when you've got all of this that I've left for you and you just don't want to hear it. God speaks, men and women. He speaks. You know what he has said? He has said that this is a place, that C12 is a place that he wants to see minister and bring deliverance into this generation. Not just in this moment or last week or tomorrow, but coming and further and growing and more people hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, God has said. And so we're going to do that. And I think God has something individually that he wants to speak to each one of you. But if you want to hear it, you're going to have to go to the mountain and you're going to have to get in the gate. You're going to have to read what he's already said. I'm going to have the band come up. Just give me a pad, that's it. God has a very distinct plan for you. And I think it has everything to do with the fact that you have an ability to bring a calm and a peace and a presence to the situations that surround you. I think you probably evoke a confidence in the people that are your friends and the people around you as someone that is stable and strong. Am I right? What's your name? McKenna. 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 My encouragement to you would be to deepen your roots in the Lord. It would be for you to learn to know God's voice in such a powerful way that when people come to you to rely on you, you know exactly how to direct them. That it's never based on your agenda. It's never based on your perspective. It's always based on what you hear God say. But he specifically picked you out and has a plan for you. Pray about it. Wonder about it. Wonder about it. 
I would say that God is so proud of you. And I think you've had a lot of obstacles in your life. And I think you have some deep wounds. And I want you to not isolate yourself. You don't have to isolate yourself. Does she have to isolate herself? You do not. Some of the greatest things we can do in this life is risk ourselves in relationship. And you are deeply loved. You got way more in you. You got way more in you. You got more in you and you got more leadership in you and you got more gifts in you than you're letting yourself lead out in. Whatever it is that's that thing inside of you where you're like, I should do this. I know I should. You should. Is there? There's always like, I should be this. I should do more of this. I should, I should. Yeah, stop that and just say yes. There's way more in you. You've got too much strength in your eyes. Too much. I don't know. Maybe he wants you to say no to something. Maybe the yes is saying no to something. Does that make more sense? Don't you all want a word from God? Right? As I'm walking around and I'm looking at people's faces and I'm having an internal dialogue in my head with the Lord, the Lord, might you have a word for a few people in this room tonight? I mean, how many of you are sitting here thinking, I hope he's got a word for me. Don't you think that? Why do you think that God would only give it to me and not give it to you? The beauty about what Jesus did on the cross when Jesus died and the veil was torn before, um, between the people and the Holy of Holies is it made God accessible. It made his voice accessible. And I want to say to you, men and women, we have relied way too long on other people's voices to give us the voice of God rather than just going to the mountain hearing the voice of God ourselves. There doesn't have to be anything standing between you in him. I want to say to about half of you in this room, you better pick your head up. And by that, I mean, you are so covered in shame. Some of you can hardly even look me in the eye and it's not because you're embarrassed and it's not because you don't want me to say anything to you. It's because you live your whole life walking around, looking down, not looking at people in the eyes because you are covered in shame, self-condemnation, secret addiction, secret sin, fear of failure. You're so covered in it. You just walk around and you look down because if you make eye contact with me, what might God say to me to say to you, right? So better to look away. It's like when you don't know the answer in class and you won't get your teacher. Where is he? 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 I saw him earlier. Where is he?
you. Stand up. You said you knew I was going to call on you? Why? Yes, you did. Well, then why would you know? Um, you know what? I think you're a leader. And I'm going to say something that's real bold to you, and I'm only going to say it because I really, really think that this is a safe room, okay? I'm only going to say it because I think it's okay for me to say in this room. Whatever insecurities are plaguing you and wherever they came from, whatever somebody said to you, whatever they spoke into you, whatever decision was made that made you think less of yourself somewhere along the way in your story, whatever that is, wherever that came from, it's just not true. You are more than that. God has designed you as more than that. And the reason it matters to you so much what other people think is because of what someone else said or did to you. None of that matters. It's only about what God sees and what he sees is this strong man that he's calling to himself that is a leader. And if you would throw off all of those things that have been spoken against you and done against you and walk in the freedom that he offers you, not only, I'm not talking about just leading you. I mean, there would be, there would be a legacy left behind you of people that would follow in that same thing where you could say you are not what somebody has said you are not what somebody has done is there any of this ringing true you're so much more I saw you earlier I wanted to say that y'all God speaks to us and he sees you and you go to the mountain and you live in tune with his spirit and you learn to decipher his voice so that I can decipher what's me and what's the Lord. I could honestly, I could stay here all night, line you all up and just talk to every one of you and say, here's what I think God wants to say to you. And we would be here until tomorrow, but I would just do that. But here's what I know. I don't have to do that. I don't need to do that. I might do that sometimes, but I don't have to do that because here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter a time and the band is gonna play behind me of just whew, no voices. And I'm gonna ask God to speak to you, to you. I want you to ask him to, and I believe that he will. But here's, I want you to take some posture that's not normal. I don't want you to take like this, this sleepy posture or like I'm bouncing my time posture. I want you to like take an open posture, put your hands out, look up, stand up, kneel down, lay it out. I don't care what you do, but do something that will allow you to hear from the Lord. And I'm gonna take a couple of minutes and I just want you to listen. Let's do that.
Don't be hard on yourself if your mind drifts. Just bring it back. It's okay. Just bring it back. God, I pray. Lord, I pray for every man and woman in this place, every son or daughter of you in this place. Lord, I pray that as they are silent before you, that you would speak to their soul. Maybe, Lord, you're going to affirm something upon their heart. Maybe, Lord, you're just going to whisper to them that you love them. Maybe you just want them to know that you see them. Maybe you just want to whisper the yes or the no they've been asking for. Lord, maybe... Lord, maybe you just sort of want to remind them that they're going the right direction. Maybe you're going to tell some of them they need to confess the sin. Maybe you're going to say to some of them, you know what, you can't hide forever. Maybe you're going to say to some of them, I'm calling you into something new. Or maybe you're just going to say to some of them, you know what, just rest. Just rest. Just be. surrender just receive the Lord's affirmation and his love and his confidence and his belief in you tell him anything you need to tell him just be honest with him go ahead just tell him anything you need to say anything you want to say exciting that is like I like going outside and I like going on hikes and stuff and I get excited every time I think about like going out and seeing this new thing it just kind of reminds me of like the excitement of of, of of here and I don't know God's just I mean if you've been here God's just been doing something special and he and uh, I think about worship too and I, it, it brought me back when, when Heather was saying that about like if you've ever heard the story of Abraham and Isaac it's an incredible story of obedience. And I just thought a little bit about like how excited uh, Isaac was to uh, climb the mountain and worship with his father. And then when he got up there and there wasn't some big extravagant thing, it was just like 
an altar <laughs> and there were like no animals to sacrifice and he was like, what the heck's going on? And I, uh, I think that's what God is inviting us to in this moment is a moment of, of worship, of, of excitement. But it's more than excitement and you guys know that. But what God's inviting us into in this moment is, is giving some things up it's tough because the sins and the junk in our lives that usually sticks around is usually only the stuff that we like that we don't really want to give up. And so just continue to pray. Um, don't let us interrupt you in, in, in the moment, but we're going to sing. We're going to surrender it to God. Like a rushing 
safest person that we could run to tonight. God, we know you're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. God, we know when we let go of these chains and these vices that hold us, God, when we just give that over to you and we submit that, God, you're the only thing that matters. When you're the only thing, God, that we want. God, we want to hear your voice. There's just nothing like being in your presence. into this moment. If this feels weird or this feels different or maybe this is the first time you've ever done something like this, don't shy away. And the greatest thing you can do is just keep pressing in tonight. The greatest thing you can do is just keep pressing in. God picked you to be here tonight. It wasn't an accident that you showed up. It was on purpose. Sometimes when we pray and we ask to hear God's voice and we don't hear it, we think there's something wrong when Really, I think what God is showing us is that prayer and worship is more like trying to cut down a tree. Probably have never tried to cut down a tree before, but when you swing once and it doesn't fall down, you just keep chopping until it falls down, right? We're going to keep pressing in tonight. If you got something on your heart that you know you need to talk to somebody about, go find them, go talk to them. We're going to keep surrendering tonight. Like Richard said, I'd love for us to keep pressing in. Too easily we step back out 
and we're not quite ready and I want us to just press in a little bit. So I walked up here and asked them as if we could move as we sung about I surrender. I think it's good to remember that his promises on the other end of surrender always remain true. Yes. On the other end of surrender, God does not disappoint. Remember, he will fulfill his promises. And I would love for us as we press in and we bring our evening, you know, to this close that we remember and celebrate in uh, in a fashion that we do at C12, that his promises always remain true and never fail.